0: Hello, Dr. Dyke Drummond here at the home of TheHappyMD.com in beautiful Seattle, Washington. Welcome to the latest episode of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. Tools so you can recognize and prevent your own burnout, stories of burnout put to its highest and best use, and wellness leadership strategies. Everything you need to be a physician on purpose. Hello again, Dr. Dyke Drummond here with the latest edition of the Physicians on Purpose podcast coming to you from beautiful Seattle, Washington, home of thehappymd.com, and today you're in for a treat. I have Dr. Christy Gomez from Phoenix, Arizona. She's an oncologist, and she has written a book called Stopped in My Tracks, a physician's collection of cancer patient quotes. And one of the things that we were discussing before we started recording is the magic that happens during your practice day between you and the patient. If you're awake and alert and you have the time and aren't distracted by the overwhelm of your practice, the magic of gratitude between you and the patient that can pass in the simplest of moments, that when you learn how to pay attention to it, can make an enormous difference to the way you feel about your practice and to your original choice to become a doctor in the first place. Dr. Gomez, welcome to the program.
1: Dr. Droman, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here.
0: My pleasure. My pleasure. So, one of the things that we teach here at The Happy MD is about the power of gratitude. And certainly, I'm not the only person who teaches it. But the power of gratitude is something that can drive you through low times, hard times, difficult times in a way like nothing else. It's almost like a superpower. It's like tapping into the source. And one of the places that can come is from your patience. From little moments. And Dr. Gomez has collected those into a book and recorded them and shared them. And what I'd like to hear, Dr. Gomez, is a little bit about your burnout story and a little bit about how you use some of this observation of your patients and their gratitude to help you get back on track.
1: So I couldn't have planned this, but this morning my day began with a patient's daughter thanking me. Uh, it was on the phone. It was. Before tumor board, 7 o'clock in the morning, I had received a <laughs> well, message. Before
0: tumor board? <laughs> before
1: tumor board. Before tumor board. It's early in the morning, but I had received a message that her dad had gone into hospice. Mm. So I reached out. How are you doing? How's mom? And is dad comfortable? She responds with, he passed last night. Mm. After my brothers arrived. Mm, and then after. just after my brothers, she waited. So I got the message over the weekend. I'm able to call Tuesday morning, and she informs me that he just passed, but the brothers had already arrived. And she went on to just thank me. She thanked me for walking with them. You know, you and I were just touching base with respect to the field of medicine that called me or the field of medicine that that I'm honored to work in, oncology and patients' moments of vulnerability, of intimacy, of life and death, of healing or not, or holistic healing with respect to your person, even if the disease is rampant and progressing, but she thanked me for being there for them. She said, thanks for taking care of my dad and thanks for calling, but thank you that you helped us walk through this journey, that you were there for my mom and for me, and that you said it's time for your brothers to come and and they arrived and dad waited. So that gratitude, it's not even thank you for the treatment, thank you for taking care of my father. There was more to the thank you. Thank you for walking with all of us. For the entire family. And I write in the book that cancer affects the entire family. Mm -hmm. So I'm honored. I almost went into OBGYN because I have two patients, the mom and the infant, the mom and the fetus, uh, the woman and the embryos. But I didn't choose that. I chose oncology and I get to walk with the entire family. I quote a patient in my introduction when I said, are you okay to the husband of my patient undergoing chemotherapy? And he says, thank you because we have cancer, (laughs) right? You know, how how true their connection, their commitment to each other, their caregiving that he took it on himself too. So there's cases like that. Another one who said, I got all the suffering, but she got all the pain.
0: Oh, wow.
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, so you talk about the the gratitude of, of treating the family here. So those are just a few that come to mind with respect to how my day started.
0: Well, and and if I can just make an observation, the term vulnerability is popular these days, Brene Brown and her work. And I have a particular take on vulnerability. And that is that if you tell the truth openly and honestly, and you feel that that puts you in a position of danger, that's an effect of the environment. That's a hostile culture. So for people to open up to you the way that they have, for you to have been witness to these quotes means that you have a, an ability to create a safe space where they can be honest like that, right? Where they can speak those words and not experience the sensation of vulnerability. And the enemy of that's that magic space, in my experience, is the overwhelmed, task overwhelm in the workplace. There's just not room for it. There's not time when you're in that magic space, the door is closed and it's just you and the patient, the family. That's it. Everybody else is out of the room. All of you. It's <gasps> yeah. in that space, right?
1: Medicine 101. That's the patient physician encounter, the sacred space of, of speaking openly, of speaking truth. Just the other day, a patient, I said, where's your wife? We were going to review a cat scan. She always comes. She was working. And he said, Oh, thank you for reminding me. I'll, I'll get her on the phone. And, uh, As we were finishing, I reviewed the case, his response to treatment. It was a very good scan. They were happy. We talked to next steps. And I almost got up because I thought the visit was complete. They were both present. They were both aware of the results. You were done. (laughs) He said, said, hold on. He kind of signals to me that, wait, wait until she hangs up because I've got a little more to share. And he wanted her involved in the CAT scan results, the response to the chemotherapy, how the tumor melted away. And it was excellent, but there was safe space. So I thank you for that. There was a moment of intimacy where he said, hey, wait a minute, when she's gone, this chemotherapy has this and this and this side effects that I'm not yet ready to tell her. So I'm honored. That's not getting into the book, but, <laughs> but that moment stopped me in my tracks. And I know that couple, they always come together. He said, thank you for reminding me to get her on the phone. And yet even still, because of that, because I knew them, he felt comfortable enough to say, wait, wait, now let's stay. I have a few more questions when she hangs up. So medicine 101, the things that patients tell us, a sacred call to listen radically, to listen empathetically, to listen fully present to them.
0: Well, and that's, that's the duty that, again, is not taught in medical school or residency. It's the duty to be present when you enter the room. One of the things that we teach is a technique called the squeegee breath. It's actually a research-proven technique to prevent burnout in physicians that involves a head-to-toe breath on the doorknob as you open the door. The doorknob is a trigger to breathe to the top of your head, count to three, two, three, exhale all the way to your toes, hold it out, two, three, and then open the door and walk in so that you're completely present with the patient and their family. And if you don't have a ritual like that, it's really a question of your life history and how you were raised and your personality and a bunch of other things. And whether or not it's an easy day, whether you're going to be present with the patient, but we can bring that presence with us. And it reminds me of a phrase, right? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you (laughs) care.
1: You love it. That's perfect. That's perfect.
0: And so earlier we were talking about the power of a thank you from a patient. And how that doesn't happen very frequently, but one of the things we can do as physicians is to absorb patient and family thank yous as as thoroughly as possible to take all of that spiritual energy in in those moments when it does occur.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm privileged because I'm sitting at hospice conversations. I'm sitting at end of life. I'm sitting at deathbeds, if you will. And not all the time. Sometimes it's, you know, the clean scan or or the decision, or the decision to choose something differently. And so the gratitude at those moments is exponential. It's life-changing. I mean, we we were just talking about the things that changed our life, but these patients before us, every decision we make is life-changing. And their gratitude is fuel, is is propeller, is uh, kind of like, I don't know, pixie dust to continue the the magic that you're talking about,
0: The right? magic dust.
1: <laughs> the, the sacred space, right? That, you know, if it's, a, if it's sacred, then it's the incense and the bells, right? Like whatever religion we return from or we come from. But gratitude propels. You know, I, I had a patient today. I gave her a clean scan result and, and she said, thank you. And, you know, I'm honored to tell them that they're the ones doing the hard work. Right. You know, they're the ones doing the work. I also have cancer patients, right? They're getting chemotherapy, but any one of them, their trust in us, their compliance, right? The words we learned in school, they're doing the work. And so the the gratitude is is mutual. We are better, we are different. And that's what I tell them. That's what I told the one that started this morning. I said, I'm different because I took care of your dad. I'm better because of his courage and his his faith. So so the gratitude is is mutual.
0: And just real quick, every once in a while, each of us, I'm assuming, is blessed by a written communication from one of our patients, right? So, every once in a while, you'll get a card or a little note, and I encourage you, dear listener, to make a box and keep these so that if you're having a tough day and you're sitting at your desk, you can open the box and thumb through the things people have written you in the past. Here's one for me that I keep in my journal. I keep a bullet journal, and I keep it in the the cover of my journal. This was written by a Parkinson's patient of mine in my residency program. I'm 65, by the way, so that was a while ago. And her name was Beverly. I remember sweet Beverly. And she would always have trouble timing her medicines for our appointments. So she was always locked in when she got to the appointment. She couldn't speak, she couldn't talk, she couldn't move. But at the end of my two years being her doctor, she wrote me this note, and I've kept it ever since close at hand. Dear Dr. Drummond, I've always admired anyone who entered the medical profession. It must be very difficult to witness all of the suffering without becoming indifferent. Thank you for your kindness, patience, and compassion. Sometimes that is all a little gray-haired lady needs to feel better. Gratefully, Beverly. I know you have things like this somewhere. I encourage you to gather them close by, in your office, for the times when you need their inspiration. Gratitude Box Definitely something worth
1: having. It made me think of one that I hadn't thought about in a while. It was posted on my bulletin board, and it was a patient's wife who said to me, Dr. Gomez, thank you for giving us another birthday, another anniversary. So maybe that's the the line of work in oncology, right? Birthday giver, right? I should talk to Hallmark, but uh, more time, another year, another birthday. Uh, The patient this morning who said, he waited for my brothers to arrive. When I was in training, I was in an e- emergency room at University of Miami, Jackson Memorial Hospital, busy inner city. And I had a patient who was in his last few hours, but the picture of a newborn grandbaby taped to the old aluminum gurney handles. Oh, wow. Cold handles. I mean, old school, right? I'm turning 48 next month. So I, I can speak to those days when it wasn't just the plastic ones. Patients saw that the baby had just been born that day. Oh wow. And again, right? We lost him within hours, but he waited. So we get a chance to, to witness that birthday. Just last week, a patient said pancreatic hey, cancer, metastatic. I was talking about a next line of therapy because the treatment is isn't effective anymore. And she said, I was at my son's wedding last week. That's it. Next line of therapy is okay or secondary because she was at her son's wedding last weekend. So the gratitude behind another birthday, another event, the baby born, the brothers arriving in time, is priceless, is intangible, and yet tangible. So yeah, that, that that's part of my gratitude box.
0: Right on. And then I would also say that the challenge, I, I believe that, Many doctors are exposed to this kind of sincere communication and gratitude and these magical moments more than they might think because we typically become distracted by the task overwhelm of the day. You're distracted by the fact that you might be behind on your schedule or that maybe the last room didn't have the tray set up with the equipment that you needed for the procedure or maybe you're down an MA and you're having to room the patients yourself, or that they only let you have 15-minute blocks of time with each patient and you can't have an adjustment to your schedule, all that kind of stuff. But our job is to, as best we can, when we're with patients, be present. And again, the key is breath. Take, everybody take a big, deep breath. And as you exhale, just release anything that doesn't need to be here right now. And it's in that space of openness, and awareness and non-judgment and availability of your heart, that these things can happen. And they do happen around you more than you might think, I know it for sure, unless you're specifically working a strategy to be more present in your day. And that's something that's always available to us, it's just a question of release. I always do this, put your hand like this, come on, Christy, put your hand like this, and imagine you're holding a briefcase full of five pounds of whatever you're worried about right now maybe you have to make it to your son's baseball practice this evening or you're behind by half an hour can you feel it bounce it up and down can you feel that five pounds Mm -hmm. all we have to do is take a breath and simply open your hand and let it go everything's lighter here i am good morning and just use your breath as a cue and if you happen to have a meditation practice What happens as you breathe and release at work is you return to that sense that you have at the end of your meditation practice. It's a little wormhole back to that level of presence. Patients can tell exactly whether you're distracted or present. And by the way, your Prescani score is the quality of your presence, pure and simple.
1: (laughs) So true. And it allows that open encounter. It allows them to be intimate. It allows that extra, hey, I've been meaning to tell you about this. Or the patients in the book who told me, "But how are you taking this, doc?" As he was ready to sign off with hospice, he said, "I know that you're in the line of success, right? You you want success. You're a scientist. How are you taking the fact that my cancer is progressing?" Then that moment of mutual healing, if you will, then we are healed, fully present to them, fully present when they can tell us, uh, "I don't know, slow down, doc. You'll live longer." He made it to the book. <laughs> or another one who confessed how much she really drank by saying, "Hey, when it's my time, just give me an IV of Prosecco. you know that, that's how I want to go.
0: She wanted bubbly so, straight, in the vein. <laughs> straight
1: in the vein But Dr. Drummond, you 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 highlight something and your work is is Testament and um, you know, mine is just a pebble, and the ripple effect is is my work in documenting these quotes that, that was the antidote to, to my burnout. And I was able to compile it in the middle of COVID pandemic where things paused and we had a writing hour and someone told me, you know, that collection of quotes, let's publish them. There's, there's something there. So I thank you for for the work that you're doing and then this conversation that we can really kind of bring to, to every corner of the world in the lineage of physicians, the work we share.
0: Yeah. Well, I believe that each of us who became physicians and other callings too, nurses, all sorts of teachers, all of us stood at the fork in the road, where you had a choice to make was I going to, to apply to medical school? Was I going to apply to medical school? Or was I going to do basically anything else? And that's a really significant decision. Two levels, you had to look in the mirror and say, if I got what it takes. And you probably looked at your grades and said, I can work hard, I'm smarter than the average bear, right? I think i've got what it takes but you also had to look at what this choice signified it was an extraordinary choice and you know that because not all your friends came with you (laughs) You you're probably the only one from your class that applied to Mm -hmm. medical school and in your heart you had to know something about you wanted to make a difference be a helper and a healer live a life of meaning and purpose it was a dream we weren't quite exactly sure whether it would turn out or what it would look like or how you would get there you certainly didn't anticipate the rigors of medical education but this is a dream that starts at the fork in the road that you would have relationships with your patients and their families of meaning and significance and be witness to these kinds of communications at these difficult periods in people's lives it's a spiritual source it's a purpose informed decision and it's in being able to be present with your patients and be witness to these magical moments that we are in the flow of the consequences of that choice. And I hesitate to say rewarded because it's not, I'll do this for a reward. It's not Pavlovian, right? But it's in, we're, in the, we're experiencing the flow that we, in our own imperfect way, back at the fourth, envision might happen at some point down the road. Does that make sense?
1: confirmation, affirmation of what we're doing, kind of in syncness with the decisions we made, oneness. I joke that sometimes you close the door to the patient's room and I'm like a fish in the ocean. All the rest is out there. Yep. I come out and it's a different thing. You didn't sign this, you haven't signed that. Right.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the moment I'm with the patient, the fish in the ocean, I think that's the feeling that you're explaining right yep. now, Yep. that you're reminded of. The decision made, right? The road less traveled, if you will.
0: The flow. <laughs> so,
1: the why or the the reason or the right, right? Kind of like the wink of God, right? Or the green light. I had a, a high school teacher, Miss Anne Brown. And she said, we were in all girls Catholic high school. She said, girls, if you're driving down the road and all the lights are green, you know, the universe and your God are trying to tell you something. Dr. Drummond, I think that's what you're talking about. Those moments of encounter, of intimacy, of safe space, of gratitude, green lights down the road, and something seems like, ah, I chose the right thing. I'm doing what I was born to do.
0: And if, if you're listening right now and you're thinking that these kinds of experiences and encounters and conversations and being witness are happening only very, very rarely for you in your current job. That's a sign of a mismatch between your job and your practice. Practice is what you do. In my mind, I define it like this, job is your job. You know what a job is, but your practice is what you do behind the curtain or behind the closed door. And if it turns out that what we're talking about seems strange and foreign or extremely rare, there's some things you can do to adjust your job, to have more room for your practice and to feel that sense of fulfillment and in the flow of what you perhaps imperfectly anticipated at the fork in the road.
1: I teach my students to learn one thing from every patient. And I said, it doesn't have to be which chemotherapy we're going to use, what stage, what was the epidemiology of colon cancer in young people, et cetera. It could be that this person didn't have insurance, and that's why he presented this way. Or how much they're really drinking, or how alone they really feel. I think... What I hear in this conversation is you're inviting us all to tap into in every patient, in every encounter, to pick up these moments of connection, of magic, of sacred space, of purpose, of, of that which propels us into or onto the flow, right? I tell the students that, learn from every patient. Every encounter is going to teach you something, whether it's social, economic or epidemiology, something's there for you to learn. But you're inviting us in this space to tap into this. Yes, the meds needed to be refilled. I need to document the side effects. I want to know if I can go on to the next cycle of treatment. I get it. All of that needs to be covered. But to leave each encounter changed, better, renewed.
0: Well, and, and I believe too that you can set an intention because there are some times when I'm busy and I'm distracted and I'm the reason that the flow doesn't happen between me and the patient. But there's plenty of times where it's the patient. Because they had to fight to get in there and the traffic was bad and they couldn't get a parking place and you haven't refilled their medicines and what the hell. And they got a list that's 20 things long, right? So sometimes it's you, sometimes it's them. But one of the things that I want to just share real quick and then we'll finish up is something called intention journaling. Intention journaling is where typically at the beginning of a day, you'll sit down with your journal and just write a simple intention. And that intention might be, I am open to an ideal patient encounter today. Or I am open to and on the lookout for a true connection with one of my patients or their family members today. That I'm open to it so that if I am clear and they are clear and it's possible, it happens like a magnet. <clears throat> are you with me? Because we can't hold ourselves to the impossible standard of we want every patient encounter to be that way because it's just not going to work out. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's them. But be open to it. Take a breath and clear yourself to be present for it. And when it happens, it's magic.
1: (laughs) I love it. So great.
0: Right on. Any last thoughts for the people?
1: Sure. I'm honored to be here. I wrote a book regarding patients' quotes, the things patients tell us. We're honored to be in that space. And it stopped me in my tracks. So thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. This whole conversation stopped me in my tracks. That we can even talk like this in our line of work right? That this community, this tribe, or like Rachel Naomi Remen speaks of, we are in the lineage of Maimonides. We don't get a chance to be this community, this tribe for each other. So, I am grateful for this space and this time, and this stops me in my tracks. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. I I have believed for a very long time that anytime physicians get out of a clinical setting and talk about what it's like to be a doctor is a healing interaction for the doctor. So it was for you and me here live and hopefully for you, dear listener, hopefully this is an echo or a reminder of what can be in an ordinary day with your patients and how it can feel and echoes of Maimonides. (laughs) Uh
1: So Dr.
0: Gomez's book, Christy Gomez, her book is Stopped in My Tracks, A Physician's Collection of Cancer Patient Quotes. And that's the end of this edition of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. Ike Drummond here in Seattle, Washington, at the home of the happy MD. Until I see and hear you again on the next podcast, keep breathing. Have a great rest of your day.